Dear listener, we hope that you've been enjoying the variety of podcasts that we have on our network. Now is your opportunity to help us by telling us a little more about you. Please visit jcastnetwork.org survey and complete our listener survey so that we can learn more about you and your listening habits. Again, please visit jcastnetwork.org survey. Thanks so much. You are listening to Rearranged, a Jcast Network podcast. Join us each week as we delve deeper into some of the ideas brought up in the FYI docudrama series, Arranged. Welcome to Rearranged, Episode 5, Weddings and Babies and New Jobs and House Hunting. Oh my... I hope you've been following uh, the FYI docudrama series, Arranged. Uh, It's on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. I'm telling you that because I'm enjoying the show and hope you will too, not because the FYI network uh, is paying me. Although if they would like to, I'm open to being taken some money. Um, You know, I've been thinking and kind of tweaking this show week by week um, in in an attempt to kind of get the best out of the show. Um, and in kind of reflecting on how the show has been over the past few weeks, um, each week I've been trying to kind of reduce the level of kind of line-by-line, moment-by-moment recapping, because I think it comes off snarky. Um, I think the show does enough to be kind of snarky to um, its, its couples, and, you know, I want to focus more on sort of what is the, what the there there is um, and less so on the individual horrible things that any one of them might have said to the other. Um, so I'm going to try and kind of do a much faster rehash, um, kind of going over the themes that I think I saw um, and less so kind of the, uh, you know, line by line and then she said this or and then they did that. And uh, I would love to know your, get your feedback on what you guys think on uh, whether that works better for the show. Um, so this week, let's start with uh, Manika and Mayor, who, um, as you recall, last episode finally got married. Um, and this episode kind of had a few different components. A big piece of it was her moving out of her family home packing up her clothing, trying to figure out what clothing to keep and not to keep, and really having the emotional moment of leaving her parental home, um, and then also moving in and, you know, finally having a full night with him. Uh, It sounds like finally being intimate. It's not clear whether they were intimate before the marriage. Um, We do learn that they only knew each other for three months between when they met and when they got married. So that was interesting and kind of gave a little bit of a different level of credence towards the arrangedness of the wedding. Um, But then they kind of got into um, his expectations of her as a wife. Um, And I think parts of it were, had to do with sort of the, the kind of culture they're in. So he's, you know, more, as she calls him, more Americanized. However, he's very happy to be getting kind of wanting a homemaker who will make, and he has an entire Excel chart of all the things that he hopes she'll do, make him breakfast, make him smoothies, iron his suits, pack for them as they prepare to go on their honeymoon. Um, 
And, you know, I think she's a little overwhelmed as she's, you know, hasn't even settled into the new home. Um, and he's already got his Excel chart of all the things they need to do, which goes from everything from, you know, her responsibility to making him steak to, uh, to making sure that he's the beneficiary on her, I guess, life insurance. And, and I mean, honestly, and, and that he, he has to make sure that she's the beneficiary on his. But still, it's like this is the first thing that they're doing while, uh, while she's unpacking for the first time. Although I also can imagine that uh, this may have, you know, been encouraged by the producers of the show. Um, and then they go on their honeymoon. And they talk a lot about on their honeymoon that this is the first time that they're kind of getting to know each other. Um, this is when we find out that they've only been together for three months. Um, and, you know, it's really they're just getting time to be together and really get to know each other. And that theme kind of comes up again and again for all three couples in this week's episode. Um, and they talk a lot and throughout the episode for, the, for their family part, for, you know, for their, their coupledom, they talk about children and, and the role of babies. The parents talk about how in, the, in their culture, if, if someone doesn't have a baby within the first year, um, that it means something. And, and then uh, Maneka says that she wants to have a baby, but Mayur says that he wanted to have five. Now he wants to have three or four, but he's not ready yet. He wants to wait till they settle down. Um, and then she's on the honeymoon and seeing families with children, and she's starting to get the tug. Um, then, of course, we have that moment as they're preparing to return home from the honeymoon, waiting at the airport, and she says that she's missed her period. Um, which, you know, cont- I mean, now again, I originally thought, oh, this is just, you know, like a tease. But then at the end of their episode, or the end of the last time, they, uh, she's taking a, a, uh, a pregnancy test, and uh, her eyes kind of say, oh, she says, oh, wow, her eyes open up and we don't hear what happened. Um, this is the big teaser, will they, won't they, um, that we look forward to seeing in next week's episode. Um, from there, let's go over to Taylor and David's um, relationship, um, their coupledom. Um, they're our longest term wedded couple. Um, she starts by saying, listen, now that I've spoken to Melba, his, his mother, which is what she did at the last episode, and as you may recall, it did not go so well, that now it's time for, her, for him to start listening to her. Um, and I think she takes it in. He takes it in. Um, they go on their date night, and they start talking about um, house hunting, that she really feels that they can't continue to live in, in the trailer, um, which I totally, you know, get. But uh, he really feels strongly that they don't have a lot of money. But in, in that, David is, you know, the sweetheart. He says, okay, let's start looking at houses. Um, they look at two houses. One is very beautiful, but very expensive. And, and you know, he says he can't, he's feeling very uncomfortable about affording it. Um, she, uh, you know, he says, if you got a job, then, then we could afford it. But right now, how can we afford something? And then they look at a second house. Um, and again, I don't want to be snarky, but she has a great line. She says, it's a much smaller house, much cheaper house. Probably they could afford it. He's happy about it because they could afford it. Um, and she says something like, yeah, uh, I'm not going to have a child in this house. I will rip my ovaries out first. So that was a little bit, um, you know, that was just like silly. And I don't want to get snarky, but I had to, I had to reference that line. Um, finally... Um, she is going out with her friends. The, ne- the next theme in this, in this uh, episode is 
the job offer. So last episode, or maybe it was two episodes ago, but I think it was last episode, we heard that she had applied to be a stewardess, a, excuse me, a flight attendant, something she had wanted to do for uh, many years. We find out in this episode that she has gotten the job, so kolaka vote to her, mazel tov for her, um, that, she, that we also hear that she has, got, has, has accepted the job, will be leaving in a few weeks for six weeks of training away from home, um, and that she still has not told David about the job, nor did she tell him that once she's done with training, she will be placed someplace, um, you know, for her hub, and she will have to move there, and it may not be in Texas that she would be moving. Um, so that's a lot to be keeping from him. Um, so that's pretty intense. And as their episode ends, um, they, she's, she's with him. She's, they're, they're going to the park. Um, and he, she starts telling him one by one all of these things. I applied for a job. Oh, my God, where? Uh, as a flight attendant. That's so great. Oh, actually, I've only, I already got it, and I've taken it. You did what? Uh, oh, and I'm going to be away. Oh, and, and, and more and more, he looks kind of just utterly stunned, um, taken aback that, that he didn't know about any of this um, and that he hasn't really been considered, taken into consideration when these decisions were made. So that's sort of what happened. Um, it was intense. Um, he shows some real emotion. I think he's really floored. He realizes that he can't, you know, just move with her because he has a contract at his job. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe he could. But nonetheless, I think that he's probably just shocked um, by kind of how this all came through. They're, you know, less than a month into their marriage and she's moving away for six weeks to train. And he sa- and she, he asks, will I be able to see you during that time? She says no. Um, and then that she might be finding a new place to live, which, of course, puts the house hunting um, on hold. Anyway, it was an emotional moment. I mean, and, and it was nice to have a kind of an episode that was not kind of surrounded by, uh, you know, featuring or focusing on, you know, the step monster issue. Um, so that was their life. Uh, for Vicky and Ben, it was a huge week, um, a huge episode. First, uh, you, we enter and it's the night before their wedding. And, um, you know, he's been anxious and stressed and he re- talks about how it's hard for him not to be able to talk to her. Um, and he has a beautiful line where he says, tomorrow I'm going home with the girl of my dreams, which is like just a beautiful way of kind of putting it. Um, um, and then the next thing is it, it's the wedding. Um, and the, it's interesting, more so than the Texas wedding and more so than the Indian wedding, they kind of do spend more energy kind of going through some of the components of what the Jewish wedding is. Um, I'm going to skip that area right now because um, I'm going to bring in Rabbi Stephanie Ruske to discuss it further, to kind of give some history and background on the Jewish wedding, um, because I think it could be interesting for those to listen to. Um, There's a lot of components that I think um, that would be interesting to discuss, so Stephanie, I I hope, will get a chance to discuss uh, at the end of this section. Um, um, But, so they have all these different components, and and some beautiful interviews where the, her, her father says that she, he feels bad that the relationship isn't, her, his relationship with her isn't that strong. Um, Vicky's mom says she sees them and thinks that they are making a beautiful, you know, that they will make it and they'll be great. She kind of finally is buying into the wedding. Um, it's really kind of beautiful. Um, 
after the wedding, they talk about the fact that they kindly can touch for the first time, and, and they talk about how, how meaningful and, and, and amazing that is. Um, both of them really feel like they, they needed that, and uh, they're both really thrilled. He, he seems a little childish through a lot of this episode. Again, I don't want to get into the snark, but he is being a little silly during the wedding, but it's beautiful. Um, you see, they, they then go, and now again, talking about it back to Jewish tradition, they're then at a hotel the, their first night after their wedding, and after some intimate time, and they talk about how nice it is to be able to be intimate, they want to go swimming, they go down to the pool at the, at the, at the hotel, but she cannot go in the pool now because she is wearing uh, her head covering um, and can't get her new wig wet. So, you know, just remem- reminding us of what happened in, you know, in episode one of the show, um, but then they come back to New York City. They're moving in together. Um, and again, this is, you know, at least two of the three couples. The wife, uh, Vicky, just as, as Manika had, although not so much as Taylor had. She's kind of preparing the house, arranging stuff, un, un, unpacking the, the kitchen. And, uh, and Ben is kind of being silly and not that helpful. And she seems to be getting a little annoyed. Um, and I think, you know, at the end he's being silly and she's getting frustrated as, as they're cooking together in their home, or rather she's cooking, uh, their dinner, um, and he's juggling the eggs, uh, literally juggling egg, juggling eggs. Um, and it's an interesting, you know, turn of phrase, you know, he is really young. I mean, they're both really young and he's really young. And she says, I need some normal time and I'm, I need you to, you know, kind of be serious. And he said, but I thought what you loved about me was how silly I was. And, um, you know, again, they're spending a lot more time together than they ever had. They had not been together in these ways because they could never be alone. Um, So it's interesting to watch how their relationship progresses. All right. So in about 12 minutes, I've now gone through uh, the full of this week's episode. Um, Obviously, it'll be interesting to see what happens as as Vicky and Ben kind of grow into that new relationship as uh, Mayor and Manika deal with the potential of, of a baby and her role, whether it be in the, in the home, as homemaker, the way that Mayor sees it or not. Um, and Vicky and, 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 excuse me, and Taylor and David definitely have some real issues to discuss when it comes to their home, her job, um, et cetera. Um, okay, so in a few minutes, I'll bring Stephanie in uh, to discuss the... Jewish wedding ceremony. Welcome back. Uh, we're here now with Rabbi Stephanie Reske, the Associate Dean of the Jewish Theological Seminary, and my we had a very non-traditional Jewish wedding wife. Uh, thanks <laughs> Thanks for, in, in, a, in a bonus episode, if we have 3,000 listeners, we can uh, tell everybody everything about our semi-non-traditional Jewish wedding. Um, but for now, um, I asked you to come back this week um, to kind of, surprisingly, this episode really kind of delved much more deeply into the Jewish wedding ceremony than I felt they had either for, for the, either of the other two weddings. Um, and, and the Indian wedding was a relatively traditional event, but it, they didn't really go into as much detail, or maybe it was so foreign to me that I didn't get it. But I thought it might be interesting um, for you and I to kind of, or for you, to kind of explain or walk through kind of the pieces of the wedding that we saw and maybe a few that we didn't see. 
Um, for those who are less familiar with, uh, with, with a Jewish wedding. How does that sound? That sounds great. Great. Um, so the first thing that we saw um, that I would say kind of fell into the, the area of, of wedding ceremony, although it wasn't under the chuppah, the wedding canopy, was the chosen's tish. Okay. Can you uh, give me a little bit? Sure. So before the beginning of the ceremony is really two tishes sometimes, a chassan's tish, the groom's tish, and the kala's tish or kablat panim. And both those are basically separated by gender gatherings when it's a chance to greet the guests. So, And they look different sometimes, although it really is determined by the nature of who, who the couple are and their personalities. But right. in so a, so in, in, in this episode, she was just sitting on a chair surrounded by her bridesmaids or, you know, her... Yeah, her bridesmaid and greeting people, mm-hmm. and uh, his was kind of around a table um, with the men. Mm-hmm. And so often, what happens in those things is they serve food, they have like they have a little snack, they have some drinks. Often, it's sort of a lighthearted um, environment, and sometimes the groom will try to deliver Devar Torah, give a short like teaching. And the goal of the people who were at the tish is to make him forget where he was and try to, like, distract him. Um, but it's like a time of, like, joyfulness and a little silliness and a little Torah as they get ready to go to meet the, the bride. Right. And the next thing that came up was, and it was actually something that I was not 100% familiar with, which was the Tanaim. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what that is? Sure. So in, in the old days, when people would get betrothed and then you might not get married for another year... The tanaim, which literally means conditions, were what they signed. These are the conditions of the marriage. And it was like an economic deal that people were agreeing to. And so that was a ceremony. They would say, these are the conditions. And then they would sometimes like lift up a plate and break it. And the idea is like, you know, one, one, exa- one explanation is that like just like this plate is broken, so too like you know, this relationship would be broken if we broke this engagement. These are the conditions, and, like, this sort of signifies that this is an important moment by breaking a a plate. Right, and we saw the mothers break the plate Mm -hmm. just a a few minutes later. But can you explain the difference between the Tanaim, which we saw or watched them do, and the Ketubah? Right. So everybody nowadays, if they're having a traditional wedding, has a Ketubah. And that is the conditions of the marriage as opposed to the conditions of the engagement, which is what the Tanayim are. So now in a wedding ceremony where... So now that people sort of have one ceremony together and don't usually have a, a year in advance Tanayim ceremony, um, we read the ketubah in the middle in order to break up the first part, which is like the traditional in quotation. In the middle of... In the middle of the wedding ceremony. Of the, act, of the physical ceremony under the chuppah. Because right. we're kind of talking about this whole thing as part of ceremony, but you're not talking about that in that way. So you're, you sign your ketubah in advance, like during the tish, and then you take out that ketubah that you have signed just before it and read it under the chuppah. And one of the ways that we sort of separate between what has come to be the beginning part of the ceremony, that's the betrothal, and the latter part, which is the marriage. And the two Hebrew words are? Kedushin or Erosin and Nisuin. They have two words for, for that same part. For the, the first for, part. Correct. 
Um, so we read the ketubah then in order to make a distinction, but it's still considered, you know, for everyone watching, one ceremony. But, so, but is, is that a, I mean, is that a halacha or is that a tradition? Because um, we didn't see that in this wedding. And again, you know, the editors of the show do it in their own way. But I'm just trying not to get an understanding. Is it a halacha to read the, the ketubah, ketubah in the middle in order to separate the kedushin from the... I think it's probably a tradition, not a halacha, not a law. Um, but I bet they did it, but they just didn't show it. Okay. Um, then, um, aside from kind of Ben uh, act, very excited, but acting what I've repeated in the earlier parts of this podcast as kind of a little childish and, and overly youthful, they then danced him over to the Bedeccan. Can you explain what the Bedeccan is and the historical significance of it? Sure. So you might recall the biblical story um, where Jacob wanted to marry Rachel and he made a deal with her father, Lavan, that he would marry, he would work seven years and then he would marry Rachel. And that was the agreement. They get to the wedding, the marriage happens, and then he finds out he actually married Leah. And so he says, you duped me, and I, but I really still love Rachel. And so Levon says, well, work another seven years for me and you can have her. And so this is kind of a, it's a connection to that story. The idea is that you go and you check that you're marrying the right person. That's what the Badekin is. And then you reveal her in a traditional wedding and then, then you're ready to go get married. Okay. So next, which was actually kind of a beautiful moment, was um, Ben's mother putting on his kittle. Can you explain what a kittle is? Sure. So a kittle is a white robe that is traditionally worn on Yom Kippur by many people. And it's a way, it's symbolic of purity, of this being a very pure moment. Some people fast on the day of their wedding um, until the end of the ceremony, which when you think about the tish, it's like all these people were dancing and eating and drinking and like... If he was fasting, he would have been not eating then. But so this is a sort of physical way of showing that you are considering yourself to be in a pure state and getting ready. It's a mini Yom Kippur. It's like a getting rid of old sins and a preparation for the next stage. So and the kittle is worn at the wedding on Yom Kippur and and also when you die. Uh-huh. It's a shroud. Okay, you didn't say that. That's why I asked. Um, then, uh, Vicky came in and she, she, uh, she circled Ben seven times. Is there a significance to the circling? Is there a significance to the circling seven times? So it's a tradition. And like most traditions, when there are many, many explanations, it it generally means, I think that nobody's totally sure and people give it whatever meaning helps them understand it, but they've seen it and it's a tradition. So some of the reasons that people give for why it's seven, seven is the number of days that it took to create the world. Seven is how many times a person wraps tefillin. Um, and when you wrap your tefillin, you say that you are betrothed to God. And this is kind of a, a connecting way of doing seven. Um, so those are some of the reasons. There are others. Now, the next question I had is Sheva Brachot, the seven blessings. Is mm-hmm. that at all connected in the seven? Or you think there happen to be seven blessings and there happen to be seven circlings and those are two things that happen very close to each other but probably... I think they're connected. I think that 
um, I mean, Jewish tradition loves the number seven. It is a complete number, it, the, the creation of the world. So there are many things that are seven. So it's not surprising. I don't know which came first, although the Sheva Brachot, like the wording is already in the Talmud. So they've been said for a long time. So I, don't, I could imagine, but I don't know, that maybe the Sheva Brachot came first and then they decided to do circlings and they matched it to the number of Brachot. Okay, so, and and the seven blessings are the Sheva Rechot. What 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 are what are they really blessing the couple with? Or what what is it is it blessing the couple? And what are the blessings kind of talking about? It's blessing people being made in the image of God, being made for one another, being made as part of the Jewish community and the people who are rejoicing in Jerusalem that's rebuilt. So it's sort of, it is a, first of all, the words are taken from lots of different places in in Torah. There's not like one place that all those things came from. It's a pulling out of lots of different pieces of verses. And it's a, it's kind of, it's not like we bless you with health and happiness. It's sort of a lot of things about being created by God and joy in the world for the Jewish community. Isn't one of the brachot specifically about for, that there'll be joy for married couples or for, for the for the brides and the grooms. But it's not specifically yeah. not specifically about that bride or that groom. Correct. I see. All right. Uh, the next thing, now again, I think that if you have a Jewish wedding, you have to be careful of the cost of the china because the parents have, the mothers have already broken a plate and um, now there is the breaking of the glass. Can you talk a little bit? Sure. So... Similarly to what I just said, this is a tradition that has many different explanations attached to it. One is that we always remember Jerusalem and it's, and it's sort of not being complete, not being redeemed. There's brokenness in the world. And so because of that, we break a glass at all. We break something at, all, at major happy moments to remember that there's also sadness and that Jerusalem is not rebuilt. Um, but one thing that our rabbi said at our wedding that I really liked um, was that at moment, at liminal moments, people were scared, especially in the ancient world. And so they felt that they were vulnerable and you break a glass to sort of scare away the demons that might come to get you at vulnerable moments. And that is one explanation also for why break the glass then. So again, the breaking the glass was sort of the final piece of the ceremony qua ceremony. Um, but then Ben and Vicky went to the Yehud room. And it was interesting, the rabbi went in to double check that no one else was there, that they told him that the, the camera could not be there. Um, so Yehud is literally being alone. And if you think back to the previous episodes that we talked about, there was a whole lot of checking to make sure that they were never alone. So this is like, the opposite of that now that they are finally married now they definitely should be alone and in communities that are shomer nagia and like they haven't they haven't touched each other they haven't consummated the marriage so in a in a time and in a community where they've never had sex this is the moment when they are consummating a marriage is in yichud and they're truly consummating the marriage in that in that in that space some people uh-huh all right um then we saw, they came out of Yehud, we saw them holding hands, walking down the stairs, running to the, to the, to the, uh, to the party. 
Um, and they started dancing, and not only did they not have mixed dancing, which we knew wasn't going to happen from the previous episode, where her fantasy got shot of having a, uh, a first dance, um, they actually put up a mechitza. Um, and first of all, what is the... What can you tell me there? In this community in which, and I think we talked about this a little bit a few episodes ago, it's even though they could dance together, they're married. They had a whole bunch of guests there who had all kinds of relationships to each other or not relationships to each other. This is a community that doesn't go to synagogue and sit together. They keep the gender separate. And right, so, but they were able to sit in the in the wedding ceremony together. Together. But this, I mean, it's sort of like the old joke of it could lead to mixed dancing. But it's it's that one thing leads to another, and that you're putting people in a setting where anything could happen that is considered, in quotations, inappropriate. Um, there is one more tradition, though, uh, like related to Sheva Brachot, which they may or I don't know if they're doing this in the episode, but now for the next week, you have sometimes people have Sheva Brachot and they host festive meals where they recite the Sheva Brachot, the seven blessings that they said under the chuppah. And one of the requirements, they have a festive meal, they sing, they dance, and you have to have someone who wasn't, who has not yet celebrated your wedding with you every night. So it's a way to expand who is celebrating with you, not just to the people, especially... The Secretary of Education is not allowed to show up at the State of the Union address in case uh, there's a bombing and they can then become president. Yes. So you have to find seven people who you didn't like enough that you were going to have at your wedding, but, but like them enough that, uh, that they'll want to come and celebrate with you afterwards. Yes. All right, uh, so this feels like we got a primer on the Jewish wedding ceremony or the traditional Jewish wedding ceremony. Um, and uh, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Okay, there you have it. Uh, the wedding ceremony in Al Regal Achad on one foot. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we have a lot to look forward to next week, as I was talking before. Uh, is, there a, is there a pregnancy? Is there a new job? Are they moving? Are they buying a house? Uh, so much to explore, um, and it'll be an, a fun one. See you then, and uh, only Simchas.